You know, one of the big challenges of living through a pandemic like we all have been doing is that you get pretty weary and worn down. I'm pretty sure that over this past year, almost all of us have gone through seasons or are going through a time when we feel worn down, weary, when we feel brittle, when we feel spread thin. We may feel worn down physically just by all the disruptions. We may feel worn down emotionally. You know, having to deal with COVID restrictions, worrying about people we love that they might get sick or they have gotten sick. We get worn down relationally, not being able to see family and friends close up like we once did. Maybe having friction with family and friends over how they see things and how we see things. We also get worn down spiritually, don't we? We can't gather as a church family in the way we once did. So here's my question for you. What do you do when you're feeling weary and worn down? How do you refuel? How do you recharge when you're running on fumes? Where do you find strength? How do you regain strength when you're weary and worn down? Well, today I want to take you to a passage of scripture that answers those questions in a very powerful and personal way. It's a passage that was written to some people who were feeling weary and worn down, who were feeling locked down. In fact, they faced a lockdown that hit them harder and lasted longer than anything we've been through yet. And God knew all about their frustrations. He knew all about their fatigue. He knew all about their fears. So he sent them a message of hope on how they could regain strength. This morning, I want to take you to that passage because what the Lord said to them has resonance for you and for me. Today, my prayer is that God would use his word in your life, in my life, to help us regain strength, to help us renew energy, to help us find all of his hope and help in the midst of what we're facing. The passage I'm referencing is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 40. So would you take a Bible and join me there? Isaiah chapter 40. I want to talk to you today about strength for the weary. Finding strength when you're weary. Before we do, let, let me just pray that God would make this moment in time a very useful moment in our lives. Father, you know everything about us. Nothing is hidden from your sight. And you know how we are at this very moment, how we've been over the past weeks and months. And you know that many of us, Lord, have seen our own frailty. We've seen our own limits. And maybe some of us today come to you and say, Lord, we don't got much. We're running out. And so we're here today to hear from you and from your word and to ask you, would you take your word and would you let it find a home in our hearts in a way that recharges and rejuvenates our strength in you? And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 begins with a verse that sets the tone for the entire chapter. And the tone is that of comfort. Comfort. Listen to uh, verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. God knew that these people needed a word of hope. They needed to be comforted. Isaiah was writing to people who would live through a 70-year exile. Let that sink in. For 70 years, not for one year, not for two years. For 70 years, they would be locked down in a foreign land, in Babylon. 
And as they did, they just grew weary and discouraged and disheartened. And so God sends them a message of comfort. So that's the tone that this chapter begins with. But I want you to see how the chapter ends. We've looked at the first verse. Now look at the very last verse in the chapter. Verse 31, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's good reason that that's a favorite verse for many, many people. Because it speaks of regaining strength. See, God's comfort is meant to lead to God's strength. Now, in between verse 1 and verse 31, we find out how do you gain that strength? How do you find that comfort? What I want to do this morning is walk you through this passage and show you how do you regain strength? How do you find the comfort that refills your soul? That's what we want to do as we go through. You see, the Isaiah chapter 40 knows all about our frailties. God knows all about our limits. In fact, if you look at verses 6, 7, and 8, God tells us who we are. Look at it, verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. All flesh, all people, right? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. There's a pretty grim but honest reminder of who we are. You know what we're like? We're like grass on a hot summer day. We wither. We're like flowers in the field. We fade. So Isaiah says, I know who you are. God knows who you are. And then he says this. But I don't want you to focus on who you are. I want you to focus on who God is. Look at where he goes next in verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, catch this. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. That's right. You're like grass. You're like a flower in the field. But I want you to get your eyes off yourself. And I want you to look up and behold your God to see his greatness. So Isaiah begins to lift our visions and change us. And as he does in the next verses, beginning really with verse 12 and going all the way through the end of the chapter, Isaiah helps us to see God in a way that recharges and refuels our souls. What I want to do is I want to walk you through this chapter now and show you three lessons that Isaiah brings out that tell us how do you regain your strength? How do you find God's comfort in a way that recharges your soul? And you're going to see it all relates to having our focus back on God. So let me walk you through the three lessons. And I want you to see how they were helpful then and how they can be helpful for us now. So how do you find strength when you're weary? How do you regain your strength? Here's the first thing. It comes out of verse 12 all the way to verse 26. I'd put it this way. When you are weary, when you're worn down, when you need to regain strength, Here's the first thing Isaiah says we got to do. You have to resize your vision of God's greatness. Resize your vision of God's greatness. You need to behold him in a way that allows you to see how great he is. To regain strength, you got to, first of all, resize your vision of God's greatness. That's what Isaiah does. He helps the people see how great their God is. You see, these, these people that he was writing to had lost perspective. 
their problems had dragged on and their problems were growing larger and larger in their own minds. And God was shrinking in their own thoughts. And you know, the same thing happens to us, right? When, when troubles hang on, problems seem to grow larger and larger in our thinking. They could be COVID problems. They could be cancer problems. They could be financial problems. They could be family problems. And what happens is those problems drag on. And as we grow weary, the problems get bigger and God seems smaller. So Isaiah chapter 40 says, well, wait a second. If you want to regain strength, you got to resize your vision of who God is. And the way that Isaiah 40 helps us to do that is by helping us compare God to everything else. He says, okay, let's see how big God is by comparing God to everything that you think is big and impressive or imposing. In fact, that word compare shows up several times in our passage. Look at verse 18. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? Look at verse 25. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. See, what Isaiah does is he runs us through a comparison exercise. And he takes seven things from our world that we tend to see as big, imposing, powerful. And he says, let's compare those seven things to God. And he's going to make one major point. When you resize your vision of God's greatness, you realize God is greater than anything. God is greater. Let me take you through the seven comparisons that he does. And you think along with me with them. First one, he says, okay, let's see how God is great. Let's compare him, first of all, to all the waters on the earth. Look at verse 12. He says, to, he says about God, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? So he said, let's think about all the waters on the earth, all the oceans, the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian, the Arctic, all the lakes, the Great Lakes. He says, think of all those waters and let's compare all those waters to God. Now, the U.S. Geological Survey says that 70% of our planet is covered by water. There's a lot of water. In fact, they estimate, get this, that there are 300 million trillion gallons of water on our planet. But verse 12 says, it's like God takes all of those waters, those 300 million trillion gallons, and he puts them in the hollow of his hand. Jerry Bridges says that uh, he read this passage and thought, I wonder how much I can put in the hollow of my hand. So he got out a little, some uh, measuring spoons and he, he got a tablespoon of water. Can you picture that? Put a tablespoon of water and he said, that's about all I can hold. Isaiah says, it's like God takes 300 million trillion gallons. He just puts them in the hollow of his hand. Now we know that God doesn't have a physical hand, but he's making a point that all the waters on the earth so massive to us are so minuscule to him. So that's the first comparison. The second one, he goes from the waters up to the heavens. Look at verse 12 again. After he says, who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Look what comes next. And marked off the heavens with a span. Hey, think about that. Marked off the heavens with a span. Our Milky Way galaxy, just our galaxy, is about 200,000 light years across. That's a big distance, right? It says that God measures that by a span. You say, well, what's a span? Well, span is an old measurement. It's the distance between your thumb and your little finger when you stretch your hand out. For me, that's about eight inches. And what Isaiah is saying is this. You picture those heavens. They're so vast. It's like God just stretches out his hand and measures them with a span. Again, 
He spans everything. They're, they're nothing to him. The heavens so great to us are so small to him. So after the waters, the heavens, the next thing in verse 12 is all the continents, all the continents. They're pretty big, right? Look at verse 12 again. Halfway through, it says, he's enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. The dust of the earth. That's all the, the land masses, all the soil. I read that uh, one acre of Canadian soil weighs about, get this, about two million pounds. Okay, two million pounds for just one acre. And there are about 2.5 million acres, or excuse me, 2.5 billion acres of land just in our country. Okay. It says God takes all of that soil, not just in our country, but in all the land masses around the earth. And he puts them, verse 12 says, in a measure. You say, well, what's a measure? Well, back then, a measure was like a little basket. Think of something that would hold a sack of flour. So God takes all the dust of the earth, and he puts it in a little basket. You see what he's saying? God is bigger. He's bigger. All the things we think so big, the heavens, the waters, the land, God is greater. Well, he's not done yet. He's just getting going. We've seen three. Let's, here's the fourth comparison. Again, it's in verse 12. And now he compares God to the mountains. Look at this one, verse 12, right at the end. It says, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. So here it says, God takes the mountains and he puts them on a scale. Now, Mount Everest, right? Big, massive Mount Everest. They say that that weighs 350 trillion pounds. I have no idea how they would weigh Mount Everest, but that's what they estimate, 350 trillion pounds. And God picks up tiny little Mount Everest and he puts it on a scale to measure it. You see what it's saying? These mountains so massive to us are so minuscule to him. But he's not done yet. He goes from talking about the waters, the heavens, the continents, the mountains. He says, now let's talk about the nations. Look down at verse 15. Let's compare God to the nations of the earth. Verse 15, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. It says God sees all of the nations. Babylon, Assyria, Canada, China, all of the nations. And he says they're like a drop from a bucket. Now, have you ever picked up a bucket of water and then poured it out? And then, you know, as you pour it out, there's just a few drops that dribble off the, off the lip of the bucket right when you're done. He said, all the nations, put them all together. They're like one of those little tiny drops on the edge of the bucket that you don't even notice it. He said, that's what the nations are like to God. Well, he's not done yet. He, after talking about the nations, he talks about the rulers of those nations, the rulers of those nations. Pick it up with me a little bit later where it says down in verse 23, it says, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Isaiah says this, hey, think of all the powerful rulers, the people that we're afraid of, the people we admire, the people we've read about. Think of all the great leaders who have ever come. Think of the rulers, whether that's Nebuchadnezzar or Artaxerxes, whether that's current leaders, whether it's our prime minister or the president of another country. And it says all of them, all of them, did you get this? All of them are like nothing or like emptiness to God. They're like little plants. 
that start to sprout up and God blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. They're like wee little plants that get blown away. So those powerful people that sometimes you admire or sometimes you, you look at and you have strong feelings either for or against, all of them before God are like nothing to them. You see what he's saying? God is greater. God is greater. God is greater. Well, there's one more comparison. We've seen six. The seventh is my favorite. He compares God to the cosmos. Look at verse 26. It says, lift up your eyes on high and see. So look up on a night sky. See all the stars. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might and because he's strong in power, not one is missing. You see what he's saying? He's saying, think of all the stars. Astronomers estimate that there are a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And get this, there are 125 billion galaxies that we know of. The Hubble Deep Space Telescope has shown us more than we ever imagined. So think of how many stars, 100 billion in our galaxy, 125 billion other galaxies. And it says here that God calls them all by name. I remember seeing David Platt talk about this verse and he had a picture of all these stars up on the screen and he took a little stylus and he circled one and he said, it's like God says, well, that one is Mary and this one is Bob. I'll call this one Bob and I'll call this one XR 32. And the point is like, how many names can you remember of your friends, of your family, of your church friends? God says he's got all these stars and he knows them by name. You see the point? He's greater. He's greater over and over. Now, I hope you're catching what he's trying to do. He's trying to resize your vision of God's greatness. You see, when we get weary and worn down, we lose perspective. Problems seem huge. God seems small. So what Isaiah said, look, if you're going to regain your strength, you've got to resize your vision of God's greatness. You've got to remember again who he is. And one way you do that is you take the biggest, most imposing things you can think of, and you stack them up next to God, and you find out they're like a drop in the bucket. They're like dust on the scales. They're like a little wee plant that gets blown away. To regain your strength when you're weary, here's what you need to do. Resize your vision of God's greatness. That's number one. Now, you may hear that and say, okay, okay, I get that. But I got another problem. See, my problem is I actually believe God is that great. I believe he is that massive. I, I'm with you on that. My problem is I think he's so big and so massive and I'm so small and I'm so insignificant. How could he possibly be aware? How could he possibly care for me? I get that he's great. But what do you really care about someone so small and frail and feeble as me? See, the people Isaiah was writing to, they, they, they struggled with that. They not only lost perspective of God's greatness, they lost hope in God's goodness. And so Isaiah does a second thing for them that he needs to do in your heart, my heart. There's a second thing you need to do when you need to regain strength when you're weary. First thing, resize your vision of God's greatness. But now if you come down with me to verses 27, 28, and 29, here's a second thing you have to do. Not only resize your vision of God's greatness, but secondly, you need to rebuke your doubts of God's concern. 
You need to rebuke your doubts about God's concern. You need to talk to yourself and say, look, look, I'm not going to give in to these doubts that God doesn't care or that he's not aware. You got to rebuke your doubts about God's concern. Let me show you how I get that. Look at verse 27. Right after talking about God's greatness, verse 27 goes on and the Lord speaks and he says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. You see what was happening? Verse 27, God calls them out. He rebukes them. He says, look, I know what you're saying. Some of you are saying this. Look at verse 27. My way is hidden from the Lord. God's really not aware of what's going on with me. And then the second thing he calls them out for saying is this. And my right is disregarded by my God. God doesn't seem to care what's going on with me. He's not aware and he doesn't care. And God calls them out on that. He rebukes that. In fact, he does that by asking them a question in verse 28. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The implication is, of course, you know this. Of course, you've heard this. This is not new to you. You know that as verse 28 says, the Lord is the everlasting God. You know that he's the creator of the ends of the earth. You know that he does not faint or grow weary. You know that his understanding is unsearchable. Of course, he knows what's going on with you. Verse 29, you know that he gives power to the faint and to him who has no mighty increases strength. You know that he cares for you. So brothers and sisters, what do you need to do when you get weary and you start to wonder, does God really care? Is God really aware? I know he's great. I know he's massive. He's dealing with the world rulers. He's dealing with all the powers on the earth. But here I am. Does he know? Does he care? At those moments, you actually have to rebuke your doubts about God's concern. And you need to say to yourself, look, 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 I know better than this. God has shown himself faithful. I'm not going to give way to those doubts. I like what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this. Martin Lloyd-Jones says one of the main problems we face that leads us to spiritual depression or spiritual discouragement, he says, is this. We let ourselves talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. And then Lloyd-Jones says this. Let me quote him. He says this. The main art in spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself by the hand. You have to preach to yourself. You have to question yourself. You see what Lloyd-Jones is saying? He said in those times when you're tempted to despair and say, I don't think God cares. I don't think he's aware. He says, no, 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 no. You've got instead of just talking to yourself, allowing those doubts to fester, you speak to yourself and say, wait, self, you know better than this. David did this in the Psalms, right? Where he says, oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Hope in God. See what he's doing? He's preaching to himself. You may never preach to a crowd, but you should preach to yourself. And at times you'll have to rebuke your own doubts. To say to your own soul, look, you know better than this. God is great, but God is good. God is there and he's aware and he cares. 
So what do you do when you get weary and you start to lose perspective and you need to regain strength? Well, you start by resizing your vision of God's greatness, and then you rebuke your own doubts about his concern. And that leads you to the third thing that's going to regain strength. And it comes out in verses 30 and 31. Look at it with me. Even you shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Here it is. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The third thing you and I need to do is this. We need to rely on God's promise to renew our strength. We need to rely on his promise. We need to take him at his word because that's a promise. God says that in verse 31, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. So he promises renewed strength and we need to rely on it. Specifically, the verse says those who wait for the Lord. Your translation may say those who trust in the Lord or those who hope in the Lord. You see, waiting on the Lord is not passively killing time. Waiting on the Lord has that idea of relying with anticipation, with hope. It's like what we did when we waited for spring to come. We don't know when it's going to come, but we know it's coming. And we anticipate it. And I think what Isaiah is saying to us is this. Hey, listen, wait on the Lord in that way. Trust in him, hope in him, rely on him. Expect that he's going to come through and he will give you strength to, as it says in verse 31, mount up with wings like eagles. You get that picture? Can you think of eagles with their massive wingspan rising above the clouds, rising above the current? And he says, that's what God will give you the strength to do. And you will be able to run without being weary. You'll outrun your weariness and you will be able to walk and not faint. You'll be sustained as you walk through life. You'll regain your strength as you rely on God's promise to renew your strength. Recently, Linda and I watched a talk that was given by Johnny Erickson Tata. You might know of Johnny's story. She's a woman who, when she was 17 years old, dove into a lake, snapped her neck, and has been a quadriplegic for over, tw- over 50 years. She's been in a wheelchair, not able to use her hands well, not able to walk for 50 years. And Johnny was saying, as she gave this talk, she was saying, sometimes people come up to her and say, wow, you must be an incredibly strong person. Like, I couldn't handle this, what you've gone through. You must be amazingly strong. And she always says to them, no, that's actually not true. I'm not this incredibly strong person. And then she told the story of how many nights she's laid in her bed. She can't move at all. And she's being racked with pain. And it's 2 a.m., And she says, I don't dare wake up my dear husband again to reposition me. And I'm not sure it would help anyway. So she's laying there in pain. She can't move. And she says, sometimes I say to the Lord at 2 a.m. Lord, I don't think I can do this. I think you are asking of me more than I can give. And then she says this. But you think that in your power and in your strength and by your grace, I can do this. So I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to believe you can be strong in me. She quotes where Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And she says, lying in my bed at two in the morning, I'm saying, Lord, I'm counting on you. You see what she's doing? 
She's doing the very thing that Isaiah chapter 40 tells you to do and me to do. She's getting her vision back on God. God, you are great. You're bigger than this. And God, you care. It seems like you're asking me to do more than I can possibly do. But I know that you will strengthen me as I rely on you. And as she trusts in the Lord, she says every time faithfully over the years, he gives me grace for that moment. Will she need it again? Yes, probably the next night and the next night. But she walks even though she can't walk. And she runs even though she can't run. And she rises up even though she can't stand up. You see, God strengthens her. And my brothers and sisters, as you live through a time that has us all weary and worn down, Isaiah says that same strength is available to you and to me as we resize our vision of God's greatness. As we rebuke our doubts about God's concern. And then as we rely on God's promise to renew our strength. You know, as I finish, I need to tell you that all of this hope is found for those who've entered a relationship with God. Like you got to be in a relationship with God to enjoy and experience his strengthening in your soul. Johnny said that when she broke her neck, she had she'd known about God. She was kind of religious in a little bit, but she said, I never entered into a warm and personal relationship with God through faith in Christ and lying on that hospital bed. Some friends told her about Christ Jesus, God's son who came and lived our life and suffered extremely going to the cross, dying for our sins, rising from the grave. And Johnny, as a young teenager, put her faith in Christ to be her savior and her Lord. And now for over 50 years, because she's come to know Christ, she has God as her father. And when she's needing strength, she goes to him and says, Lord, I'm counting on you. So can I say to you? If you've never come to that place that Johnny came or where I've come or many have, where you put your faith in Christ to be your savior, to forgive your sins and to give you his life, start there. And as you enter in by faith, trusting in him, asking him to fill your life and forgive your sins and make you his, as you do that, then you will be able to experience his promise of renewed strength as you resize your vision of God rebuke your own doubts and rely on his promise to strengthen your soul. Let's pray. Father, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know everything about us. There is nothing hidden from your sight. And I pray if there are some listening to this who've never entered into that warm and personal relationship with you through faith in the Lord Jesus, that today at this moment, they would like Johnny did in that hospital bed. They would open up their life to you by faith and trust in Christ to be savior and Lord. They would give themselves to you and find that you give yourself to them. And then for all the rest of us, Lord, would you help us to learn to live in the promise that as we keep our eyes on you and believe not only your greatness, but your goodness, that you give us the strength we need today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. And I pray this all in Jesus name. Amen.